Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn how to get past the awkwardness around money, how space camp and selling crisps can get you by, and where to turn when the cash machine says no. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 16, Making Ends Meet. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we discuss all the things that you need to know to succeed in medicine, but that you probably won't learn at medical school. I'm Lara Nunes Mulder, uh, and I'm a fifth year medical student at the University of Cambridge, and I am buzzing to have with me in the studio my good friends, Anna and Raihan. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, so my name's Anna. I'm a final year medical student at King's College London. And I'm also the editorial scholar at the BMJ this year, which is what Laura used to do, in case any of our listeners haven't listened before. (laughs) (laughs) And my name is Rahan. I'm an intercalating student at Imperial College London, and I'm also a YouTuber. I make YouTube videos on getting into medicine and medical school life. And with us today, our wonderful expert guest, Catherine Runswick. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, my name's Catherine Runswick. I'm an employment advisor with the BMA. I'm not sure quite how wonderful I am. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out how wonderful you are, just how wonderful you mm. are. <laughs> um, and so we're here to talk about money today. And so what do you know about medical students and junior doctors and money? Um, well, because I'm an employment advisor, I know about medical students because I help recruit them into membership of the BMA. Uh, but also, I just happen to be the mum of um, an ex-medical student. She's now an F1 doctor working up in Bolton. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations to her. I'm so proud. All right, so today we're talking about money, particularly during med school, but also as we come into those first few months of being a new doctor. Do you need to be money savvy to be a good doctor? I'd say probably there are more important qualities for for being a good practitioner. But for many, money is a barrier or Mm -hmm. something that you have to overcome to be able to get through medical school to get to that goal of becoming a doctor. And so it's really important that we do talk about it. So you two, what has been your relationship to money during med school? Just getting straight up there with the personal (laughs) questions. A lot of ups and a lot. Well, one or two downs. I think I've mastered the art of finance in terms of medical school. <laughs> well, you, you are studying it. like yeah. business, right? Yeah. So you need to you yeah. do need to know about budgets and stuff. The thing is, I've always had two passions in my life. So one was medicine and like human anatomy. I've just always loved it. And the second was finance and money. Like ever since I was a kid, I've, I was always selling things and in school and outside I always had business stuff and so then when I got into medical school then I turned it into a medical business and and I was running sort of doing that while I was doing medicine. Interesting we'll probably come back to that a bit later on. Uh, There's a lot of stories I can tell you from bikes, chocolates, crisps, (laughs) to medical (laughs) interview courses, you name it I I probably saw. It sounds like you're a lot savvier than I am. Um. So what about you Anna? Um, so I've always had like a quite a difficult relationship with with money when I've been at med school. What I found particularly difficult is like this assumption that if you are a medical student, you do have like wealthy parents and stuff to fall back on, and you know for some people that's not the case, and obviously for others maybe it is the case, but they really don't want to have to ask their their parents for for more money. So I think sometimes like navigating that has been quite difficult when you feel like maybe other people like have more money than you and they're inviting you to things 
and you're sort of like, well, this is a bit awkward because I probably can't go to that. I think we're going to talk about that later anyway. I mean, tell, tell me more. How do you feel about talking about with your your financial situation with your peers or here in this context? I do find it a bit awkward, especially because you don't sort of want to like position yourself as being like oh my god like I'm so hard done by and all of this because actually like my financial situation is way 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 better than lots of other people I'm sure but it can be quite challenging particularly as I don't think I really had an awareness before I came to university that London was that expensive like maybe I was quite naive about it but I didn't really have anyone in my life who sat me down and was like, you really need to think about this because London's really expensive. I just sort of had this idea that was like, oh yeah, I'll just sort of toddle off to university and I'll get my student loan and everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've Um, just moved to London from Newcastle. That's a massive difference in cost of living, right? A huge difference. I mean, my rent is twice as expensive as it is up north. (laughs) And twice as small a flat, I imagine, as well. Yeah. I had walk-in wardrobes here. I just about have one small yeah you now live in a wardrobe <laughs> <laughs> exactly I put, put yeah yeah so i mean how do you like do you ever talk about money situation with your med student peers or with your management peers like your own personal financial um, situation i mean what anna said i completely understand so medicine is perceived to be like okay your your parents are doctors or your parents are well off and and you come from well off background and you've got into medicine and you have money so most most of my friends for example their parents pay for their degree which when I got into uni I was like wow your parents can afford to pay for nine thousand pound every year of your degree it was a shock but to be honest like I've been surrounded with people like like that from an early age so it just meant that I had to work harder to to make that money for myself so then I can pay for the social activities or whatever activities I I needed to go on or I had to do. For me, the conversation is, okay, if there's a social event, that's fine. I just have to work a little bit extra this week or next week and then that's not a problem. I'll Mm. be there. There there have been times where I've had to say, okay, guys, I have no money this this week or next week, so I can't come. And and there's even been times where some people were, were, some friends that I had at uni, we're living extremely lavish lives where you, I just couldn't keep up with. So <laughs> you kind of have to consider, right, I don't know. It's it's quite sad to think, but are these the right friends for you? Because, I don't know, you just can't keep up with some the way they, their lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? That's it's pretty, yeah, that's pretty deep. I mean, whether financial difference can make, and break, make or break friendships. That's It, it has for me. Oh, my goodness. Early on oh, at right university. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, it's nothing... I don't know. No I don't drama. Think, is yeah, what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. not nothing yeah, too yeah. sad or yeah. or drama. Yeah. It's just it's just how things are. People so. find a level, don't they? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what happens. Yeah. So from my perspective, I've always found it always a bit awkward to talk about the details of my financial situation. I don't mind saying, "Oh, I'm not gonna go out for this meal right now," or you know. But I, my parents growing up like never talked to me about money. Never told me much about their plans. Even now, I've never really understood how much they've earned. I just have mm-hmm. an appreciation that because we've got family abroad and we go visit them regularly, that that means that we're fairly well off. And also the fact that they're retired and quite comfortable being retired for the rest of their lives. Um, not to mention able to support me and my brother and we get the sort of the minimum student loan kind of thing. So, I, I, you know, that's how as far as I'm aware, but it's not something we talked about in our house very often. Other than the need to budget, that's something that was very much mm-hmm. emphasised, you know, from the 
from the, so when we started going to high school, we got like uh, a little bit of pocket money that was supposed to cover phone and food and bus, but wasn't enough to cover. So it's kind of teaching us how to save in that. But but it is I don't know. It is mm. a bit awkward to talk about money. It feels like a taboo subject. I mean, this is I mean I'm saying this on a podcast where we've talked about relationships and we've talked about failure and things like that. But still, it's money that's yeah. I was I was actually sitting here like just before we started, even though. I've done a lot of research onto this and I've spoken to a lot of people who you're going to hear about in in a minute about money. I was actually more nervous than I have been for any of the other podcast episodes because I was like, I really don't know what the response is going to be here to to talking about money. Um, It's really interesting, isn't it? It's not just students who can't talk about money. Lots of people, Mm. lots of people find it difficult. I know. The Citizens Advice Bureau, for example, um, and a, n- a number of other organisations like that one, um, set up uh, pr- you know, specific debt advice counsellors. Um, and, and they are absolutely inundated. People need their help. But actually taking that step to go and see them is a huge thing. Mm. So, so society-wide, it's, it's hard to talk about money yeah. quite often. Yeah. And in medicine, it's... Anna you mentioned that you think it's particularly awkward because there's this expectation that because you're there because you've gotten into this long degree that your parents are able to support you that you come from a a well-off background and so on is there anything else you think that makes it awkward I don't know I genuinely can't say I've felt awkward to talk about it there have been times where I've been broke and that's life and there's been times where I've had money and and again that's life but depends how broke though doesn't it It broke to the point I had to sell my camera and, and equipment and everything because I had to pay my wow, tools. and that's the like, kind of stuff that you do YouTube with. That's quite my a hobbies. Deal, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, 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 like I to I pay think... my rent and and my my bills, utility bills. So there's been times where like, and I couldn't ask my parents, and I've put in a request for financial hardship at the university, and it was like rock bottom. And then, but you find a way to f- make money and you get over it. <laughs> wow. Maybe you're just not a warrior, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get, you're so laid back compared you're so to me chill. and Anna. Like, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, let's let's hear from some people outside of the studio. So as Anna, you mentioned that you've, you've had the chance to speak to loads of different people. Yeah. And we're going to hear all their different kind of perspectives. Let's hear from Nishita Gardi from Anglia Ruskin University. So I definitely say placement related expenses uh, were the first things that came to mind when I thought of hidden costs associated with medical school. So here at our medical school, we're lucky enough that uh, they arranged the transport for hospital placements. However, um, this isn't the case for GP placements and um, certain GP surgeries can be in quite remote locations um, where public transport links aren't too great. And so when we're commuting via public transport, sometimes we'd have to get multiple trains and multiple buses. Um, so travel expenses definitely do add up. Um, I'd also say uh, right at the beginning of medical school, uh, you'd have to spend quite a lot of money getting and buying things um, all at the start. So, for example, um, DBS checks are something that I wasn't aware that we had to pay ourselves. Uh, there's also um, things that aren't necessarily hidden, but you do have to splash out on in the beginning. For example, um, equipment such as stethoscopes or um, appropriate placement wear, and also uh, lab coats for dissection. There are things that are worth it because you keep reusing, but um, can it can be quite expensive um, buying them all in bulk in the beginning. 
So one of the things that Nishita mentioned there was the DBS check, uh, which I think stands for Disclosure and Barring Service, uh, which is how the university checks your criminal record, checks your background to make sure that you're safe to work with vulnerable people. So Raihan, what was the most shocking, unexpected cost for you? Vaccines. Vaccines were like very expensive and there was just so many to get. And then there were so many blood tests to do. And I think in the end it works out at like... 400 pound or something and you had to pay for that yourself what? we got told we had to but i found a way Ryan, <laughs> you're so money smart man what are your thoughts on all this Catherine? my daughter has uh, finished medical school now she's an f1 she was very savvy going to university she'd done a lot of the homework she always did i think she did a lot of homework just by asking people and getting mm. in touch with people and I think the social media was really useful because mm-hmm. um, the uh, university she went to, which was Manchester, they have a social media presence for new uh, mm. students. She found that it was expensive to get to placements. She was annoyed that she had to pay for DBS. And I was annoyed that she had to pay for DBS. Mm-hmm. I think it's outrageous when you're working within the NHS uh, that the NHS expect you to pay uh, for, yeah. for that type of thing. I think it's wrong. So, um, you know, the, there there were issues, but I think as well, the cost of um, food when you don't know how and where to shop is a problem. What do you mean by that? Well, if you go to, uh, or if you're used to having gone to Sainsbury's, for example, it can be a big shock to find out that they're more expensive than perhaps uh, another shop, a Lidl or an Asda or an Aldi. Other shops are available. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the difference that you can pay for one item of food Mm. in a range of shops is amazing. And and we were laughing about, um, when she first went uh, to university, we were laughing about the fact that a number of her housemates were saying, well, how can you afford to cook? And they would order in pizzas. What? That cooking is so much cheaper. That's unbelievable. Absolutely. And that's what she would explain to them. Yeah. It's an interesting point because I I think a really big part about having money difficulties or or even just thinking about money and your budget and so on is the sort of the mental burden. The amount of effort it takes to think about your next meal, to think about what you're going to cook, the time you put into cooking, Mm -hmm. the time you spend at the shop counting up how much your shopping is adding up to, the time you spend travelling to the cheaper supermarkets further away whilst you're also managing your work you're at med school to learn medicine you're not there to have the perfect budget but you you have to put so much of your mental resources into it to Mm. to keep on top of it I mean you're saying your daughter did loads of research and stuff that costs so much time and effort and particularly for someone who worries about that kind of stuff it also takes a lot of sort of emotional resources away from what you could be doing spending on your on your degree and so on I think spending some time doing a bit of research can actually save you time in the long run. Mm-hmm. Very true. And, and I think that, that, that that's important. What we have to acknowledge is that, yeah, I mean, you're, you're all medical students. Mm. In order to get to medical school, you had to apply yourselves. You had to apply yourselves to get the, mm-hmm. the grades that you needed to get into medical school. And so you, I suppose in a way, you just have to look at, at the budget as another job that you have to do. Mm. Um, You have to apply yourself to it, otherwise you can very quickly get into trouble. Mm. And if you do get into trouble, it can be a downward spiral Mm. and you need ways out of that. 
And the sooner you address it, the better, I think. I mean, I think it'd be really great to later unpack a bit more about the ways out of that. Mm. But before we do that, should we hear from another med student and hear what Mm -hmm. they found challenging? Yeah. All right, let's hear from Oliver Arscott. I'm currently a final year medical student at the University of Manchester and fit into that sadly diminishing category of graduate medical students. Meaning, of course, that I was unable to receive a tuition fee loan when I came to university. There were occasional hardship bursaries I was able to get from the university and I managed to be lucky enough to get some academic award bursaries as well. But these barely scratched the surface of living costs and tuition fees. The university support teams were were helpful themselves. The issue is that the financial teams at the universities would often be emailing me asking for money and payments for tuition fees even right up into the build-up of exams so I would even get emails the week before my third year OSCEs telling me that I owed them £3,000 now that's not something you obviously want in the build-up to OSCEs but it, it would take up hours of phone calls different people just in order to make sure things were sorted as we progressed. The problem is, I think at the moment, is that graduates in medicine are basically going back to a system of elitism. So without parental support off of their own back, it's extremely difficult nowadays to pay for a five-year course at £9,000 a year before living costs come into it. Oliver was talking about when he got his £3,000 bill in, he had to call up some people and so on and sometimes it can be really hard to find out information about mm. your loan about your bursary about your mm. payments and obviously there's this massive form online and this massive document that goes with it on how you're supposed to fill it in and everything but when you've got your own individual questions I mean have you ever had to call up mm. student loans company or NHS yeah bursary? I have I have called like multiple times like both the student loans company and the NHS bursary but I've like rung up and two different people have told me like completely different things about what I need to do and it all kind of culminated in me stepping out of a a grand round to call them back because they'd asked me to call them back and they basically told me that I wasn't going to get the money that I needed until you know a few weeks which I needed it like immediately and so I was like getting quite emotional and um the lady on the phone was just like oh don't worry you're you're gonna be a doctor soon and then everything will be fine (laughs) and I was like oh yeah but it's not fine now oh my word um yeah yeah, so at my university like a lot of the information that was passed to us particularly about the NHS bursary which uh for anyone who's not come up to that stage of clinical school you know when you get to the last couple of years your degree rather than only getting the loan from the student loans company in the UK, uh, it becomes split. You get part of your maintenance from students loans company, whilst the NHS bursary covers tuition fees and the other part of your maintenance loan mm-hmm. uh, in the form of a bursary rather than uh, a loan that you have to pay back. Um, and yeah, I didn't know about the NHS bursary before I started med school, but I found out about it during third year through uh, a really nice email that we got from older med students. Uh, so actually it was the sort of clinical school society that was disseminating this sort of tips information a little warning that it takes many many weeks for things to come back for the evidence you know why it's important to get it done by the deadline um and it's kind of awkward that that 
those tips, that information has to come internally from med students. You know, it's not it hasn't been consistent year on year since then, because I, I mean, I, I know having taken a year out and going back into a new year group that it's it's varied the kind of information we get. Mm-hmm. Um, that information is available on the BMA website. Those type of tips are oh, yeah? available. Mm-hmm. They don't specify for each school, so they they don't have these, you know, you don't get the DBS paid for at this school or whatever. Mm. Um, But they do have some really good tips. Mm. That's really handy to know. I can find that by Googling BMA. BMA Student Finance. Yeah, thanks for that, Catherine. I can see you've got like a list of potential websites there. We're going to include all those websites in the episode description for all you listeners there. Cool. Okay, so at least that's like a one place to look for for all financial yeah. advice yeah. that's really helpful that's good yeah, because, just having like a trusted source is really important yeah, yeah because what you said um laura actually sort of resonates back to what happened this week so a lot of the medical students at the nhs is paying for my degree this year my tuition fees and when i said to the students um that i was with all oh, the nhs is paying for my tuition fees and they're going to pay for the, my tuition fees for next year as well a lot of them were shocked. They were like, the NHS pay, can pay for tuition fees. And I was like, yeah, for your final year, your fifth and sixth year, if you're integrating your fifth and sixth year. And they were like, wow, I fully thought I had to fork that out of my own pocket mm. or my parents' pocket to pay for that because I knew student finance will pay for it. But yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know. Patchy yeah. distribution of information. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that Oliver mentioned that I'd quite like to pick up on is this working at weekends, you know? Um, as far as I know, all of us have tried different ways of, of making a few extra pounds whilst we're at university. So, Raihan, you've always had various... Salt crisps. <laughs> Not at university. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Unfortunately. I think the most, the, or the best way and the most enjoyable for me, and I think I've got a lot out of it as well, is tutoring. So, I used to tutor children doing their GCSEs and A-levels and while a lot of my friends were would be earning £6 an hour, I would be getting like £30 an hour and then £5 on top of that for transport and if you're doing two hours a week or three hours a week, I've covered my food, my travel, my social expenses mm. for the whole week. I mean, Yeah, tutoring is quite a popular job amongst clinical yeah, students just because of that flexibility and high hourly pay, exactly. so that is, that is quite a decent job for students how about you Anna what have you how have you made the income come in yeah I've done like various like slightly random things um I worked at a space camp once that was space camp um so (laughs) it was basically um for like school children and we had this like we basically sort of tutored them through this project over a week um which was to design an experiment that could go onto the space shuttle so it was really fun um I, I really had a really good time um, but it was like I had to do it in like the week that I had between placements that was supposed to be our consolidation week for like finishing up our learning from the placement. But I was just like, I really need this money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, but it was a lot of fun. Summer schools is one that I've tried as well. So sort of um, maybe a bit more intense than that sort of do summer schools for kids that come from abroad. There's quite a lot of them in Cambridge Town Centre. I yeah. imagine there's probably quite yeah. a lot of them in London as well. I think yeah. the majority of people tend to stick to the... The, the working in the supermarket though, mm. don't they and, yeah. or, or working behind a bar uh, and I think that they're just because they're more likely to be available mm-hmm. um, I know that a lot of students if they have Saturday jobs before they go sometimes the firms that they're working for will will transfer mm. them over 
uh, into oh, a really? new place. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. But again, my background would be just join the union because whether you're a student or whether you're a full-time employee, you can get into trouble in work. Yeah. And um, so you need to join the union mm-hmm. then. So it sounds like in general you're in, you think it's a, it's a positive thing for students to do, to be working during medical school, during clinical school. I think you have to make sure that you don't overdo the work because being in medical school is a full-time job in itself. Mm. And I think there's a chance of burnout. There's also the chance that, work cuts across revision time um, and and puts you at risk of Mm. of failing. But then it's particularly challenging for people like Oliver who are, you know, trying to work to to make ends meet, to to get by, to get through. Mm. It's it's really hard to be able to prioritise between the two, between being able to stay in university and be able to eat and live uh, and to be able to study at the same time. It's very, very difficult. All right, we're going to hear from another medical student, uh, but that will be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, back to the show. Uh, let's hear from Pedra Rabi from King's College London. So, yeah, so right now, majority of my friends, they, they've been working for now two to three years. And when we all go out, for example, they usually pick an average price place if I'm going there because firstly they know that I won't be able to pay for a lot of it and if I'm not able to pay at all they said that hey let's do a dinner at home or I always offer to I can join after dinner. It can be daunting on times and you do miss out on stuff like social interactions because these are your close friends these are the people you go to when you have issues and you don't really want to be asking them saying hey do you mind lending me a couple quid and I pay you back when I graduate because we're a med student. They graduate in like two or three years time. So you won't be getting that money till way later. So it's probably quite universal student experience that sometimes you miss out on social events because money's a bit tight. But the thing here that's a bit more unique to med students and clinical school is that as you get into the last few years of your degree, many of your friends who you started university with will be working, will be having an income, uh, and that changes the landscape a bit. Have you found this? You get you guys both near the oh, end of your degrees yourselves. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And the worst thing is for me, a lot of my friends were business, accounting, and finance students. <laughs> like my, I only recently started having friends like that are doing medicine, just because all of my friends from business and finance had graduated. Were, but we, were we not your friends? 
Of course, but this is within this is within a, like yeah. the the yeah. past year. But like, yeah. for example, my business finance and uh, th- th- that sort of those sort of students they they graduated two years ago. Their degrees are three years long. So, mm. and they went on to like Goldman Sachs, KPMG, and like JP Morgan. And these all are of the these, sort of the really big accounting these firms. Really aren't they? big firms, and they're getting paid. 36 40,000 pound and they've got like all these flashy cars and going out with them is it can be difficult but they understand okay look Ryan's still a student we remember how difficult it was being a student I mean they were worse than me like they spent half of their university life broken eating takeaways and so they mm. completely understand and mm. when we go out then yeah we have to stick to Nando's and mm. nothing more than Nando's even though they want yeah. lobster and whatever I mean, the thing that I've noticed is, uh, like, my mates who graduated did, like, a little reunion. Uh, and they went on a little trip away for a weekend. I couldn't really join them because couldn't really pay for flights and accommodation in the middle of a university term. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Not without saving up for it, for, you know, knowing in a year in advance it's going to happen and putting money aside. I think you need to make friends with some consultants, I think. <laughs> um, and, and a really good way of doing that is, um, you know, when, when you're at... Uh, and I think you mentioned this to me earlier, actually, for, for F1s who, who've just started work. Of course, they don't have any money until the end of that month. Mm. And I think it was buy, buy an F1 a lunch, wasn't it? Well, I, mm. I think that consultants should be buying students lunches as well, don't you? I think it's only When fair. I'm a consultant, I'm going <laughs> to... Honestly, I, every time I see a student, I'll try and take a chance to buy them food because I know how much I love it and appreciate it when people surprise mm, yeah. me with that kind of thing. You know, when they go for team coffee and say, would you like a coffee? I'm like, oh. I know, so, an, you, just, you always remember relief. those consultants. Yeah, you do. You yeah. Not, not just because they're kind and generous, but also because some days that pick-me-up just gets you through the day, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. A little bit of un- unexpected free food, yeah. unexpected free drink. Just such a treat that just yeah. gets Not just consultants, hearted. GPs can buy lunches as well, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because... Um, I actually spoke to someone who had encountered this very problem and he tweeted about it and um, it actually got quite a lot of traction, so we can hear from him. Yeah, let's do that right now. I'm Lewis Hughes. I'm a graduate of Dundee Medical School and I'm an FY2 working in the west of Scotland. For me at medical school, money was always tight and I worked weekends, I worked nights in in the A&E department doing an admin job just to make ends meet really and to, to pay my rent. In some ways, things were more difficult than ever, really, um, in that transition from final year to foundation because student loans stopped coming in and I was no longer able to get income from the part-time job I had because I was obviously working full-time then in medicine. But money was a long way away. It was after shadowing. It was uh, at the end of the first full month of work. But in that time, there were lots of new costs. You had to pay a deposit in a flat, pay rent, make sure you had a full wardrobe and uh, pay your travel to the hospital where you're working. So for me and others, it's a really, really tight time. I am so glad that Lewis Hughes got this topic into the newspapers because mm. otherwise I would have not known about this, you know, and then recently it's kind of changed my entire budgeting for the next two years, knowing that I'm going to have this month where I'm going to have to maybe move house and pay all these kind of costs mm. you know like it's it's so useful to know this ahead of time and be able to prepare mm. funnily enough my daughter who I told I was coming on this podcast mm. um, she says f1 budgeting is like any job budgeting except you have to consider having money for 
a range of things. We've already mentioned some of them, a DBS check, but also possibly parking, uniform, etc. Um, and then at the end, you have GMC fees. And then one of the things that she's mentioned, you know, as going into F1, is four of her friends have uh, decided to carpool because uh, mm. it's just so much cheaper that they live in the same area. So they're sharing the car into work. Now, obviously, that only works if your rotors tie in. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, even sharing a car between two of you is better. There's a lot of reticence about exception reporting amongst juniors. What is exception reporting? Exception reporting is part of the 2016 contract for junior doctors. And there's a whole range of reasons that you can exception report. But what it is, is you're telling your employer that you've either worked longer than you should have done or you haven't had a break or you haven't been able mm. to go for study leave or whatever. Again, there's guidance on, on our website about yeah. that. But it's a way of getting money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're an F1 uh, and you've got all these additional, uh, you know, things that you're having to pay for. If you work over the hours that you're supposed to work and your exception report, well, you can be paid for that. So at the end of your month, not only do you get your actual salary, but you might actually get more money as well if you exception report. So it's worth thinking about. Right, well, I'd like to quiz you even more on sort of the really practical things that we can be doing when it comes to managing our money. Let's imagine that next year, if I'm no longer able to count my parents and found that I was struggling to get by financially, what should be the first steps that I take, do you think? I think it's the same uh, whether you're going to be a doctor or whether you're going into any walk of life. You do need to budget. You need to stop and think about what you need to pay for and whether the costs are up front or whether they can be paid after the event. Um, You mentioned there you can't depend on on your parents anymore. I think that if you do have parents that are willing to help, even if it's only to sit and listen to the problems or talk it over with you, uh, you need to involve them or a partner or your friends. I think it's important to keep an eye on what you're spending. It's very, very easy to turn to credit and I think mm-hmm. you have to keep an eye on that too. Do any of you guys, do you guys use credit? Do you have a credit card? No. No, I don't either. have a credit card. No one I know has yeah. a credit card. But we do have an overdraft, which is different to credit, right? I mean, yeah, but it's 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 Similar. it's still debt. It's still yeah. debt. And, and, and clearly you do need to keep an eye on that because mm-hmm. you would imagine that at some point you're going to want a mortgage. And if you've got yourself into trouble with money, mm-hmm. then that can be difficult mm-hmm. to do. But use carefully, credit or overdraft can tide you over, right? So what what might be a good circumstance in which to use it? Well, first of all, always make sure that you go into an agreed overdraft situation. So don't just do it. Yeah, yeah. So like, speak, it's speak quite to common to have like a student bank account where the overdraft is free and, and you know how much... Well, when I say free, I mean it doesn't have interest on it. Mm. It, Um, Yes, you're right. But if you go one pound over the agreed limit, it's a problem. So you you do need to keep an eye on it. And it is useful. So, for example, if you're a student and you have an overdraft, then what you can do 
is you can use it just in advance of the money coming in that you know is coming in. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not always going to happen. I mean, you had that problem where the money was late coming in and, and I'm not sure how you managed with your landlord and what have you. But if as long as you can tell people that there is money due, if you speak to them, then they're happier than if you just ignore mm. them. And one of the things I was going to um, mention was that it's much easier to do that early than late. So if your mum and dad aren't told until you're three months in arrears with your rent, they might have a problem with that. If you tell them, mum, I can't afford my rent this month, well, they might just be able to help you out a little bit. A problem shared is a problem halved. So you're you're a parent and I'm sure that yeah, from the sound of it, you'd you'd love your daughter to come to you first, come to you early rather than keep things from you. Yes. But then speaking as a med student or well, speaking as a student, as a child to my parents, I know that sometimes I feel a bit too proud to ask them for help. Sometimes I feel like I should be able to make it on my own. And, you know, they've given me enough support and things like that. I don't know if you guys ever find that a barrier to mm. or you think actually, you know, they've earned their money and, and, you know, they've got their retirement to think of and all, you know, this kind of thing. There are some certain barriers. So from your parent perspective, what would you say to people who are who find that a barrier to to talking to their parents about their money? You've trained to be doctors, right? You've got comm skills. OK. My advice is just deal with it. <laughs> just deal with it. Oh, your, so your that's parents. Catherine Runswick telling us to grow up and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, that's not no. what I was expecting. When you have that yeah. concern that, you know, oh, I don't want to put that on my mum and dad. You, as I said, your mum and dad would sooner know now than yeah. six months down the line when you're in real bother. You know, mm. so, so I suppose if there's real trouble, you are going to have to ask them eventually. So I mm. guess it's just about making sure that they know at like the most appropriate time. And it's yeah. not just mum and dad. It's the hardship funds at universities. Yeah. It's yeah. the NHS hardship fund. I think, yeah. You know, there are things there. If If you do it now, rather than when you are really in a mess, then you get the idea that, mm. I, I mean, it's a, it's a life lesson. And, and it's not just medical students mm -hmm. that yeah, get themselves yeah. mm -hmm. in this type of yeah. situation. And it's not always their fault. You, through no fault of your own, didn't get your money in time. And you've got to deal with the landlords. And, and what you say about trying to contact people and getting in touch with them uh, over a telephone, you know, the student loan company and what have you, all, all of those people, they have scripts. They don't care that you can't pay your rent. They don't care. You well, know. they might care, but they might not be able to well, do yeah. anything. Yeah, they just yeah. can't express it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. as, as humans, yes, they'll care. But the care. script doesn't care. But the script doesn't care. Yeah. Mm. The script that they're reading from doesn't care. And, mm -hmm. and I think that, therefore, if you have access to either friends who can help you out for a short-term loan, not just parents, any relatives that can help mm. you out, what I'm saying You're saying is have those conversations. Have You're saying grow up, have the conversations, have even though it's hard. Yeah. No, no. yeah. Think through your feelings. But don't let money be it. awkward. Don't don't have Yeah. Don't I mean that's what we're trying to do here, aren't we? We are trying yeah. to break down the walls. Mm. Me and Anna, even though we find it awkward, we are trying to talk about it, yeah. aren't we? That's what this this episode is stretching us. So budgeting. Who loves it? I don't know. Uh, anybody. Ryan probably does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody. <laughs> 
Um, I love budgeting. Yeah, Do I, you? Can. Oh, I, I love it. enjoy it. Yeah, high yeah. five. <laughs> oh, <laughs> will it pick up the sound of the actual high five that just happened? It sounded like a bit of a slap then. Yeah. It? It no, five. but I actually do enjoy it. Like, I I think I function better, like, throughout the year if I have an idea of what money is coming in. And this this I do every year at the beginning of the year. What money is coming in? How, how can I get money in? And then what are the exact amount? And then what money is going to go out? So mm. when I know my rent rate, when I know a, an approximation of my utility bills and and i have an estimate of how much i will spend on food and social costs you you just calculate it, it takes like you know maybe half an hour if not mm. less mm. and you just feel in control of your finances for the rest of the year mm. at least not fu- maybe not fully but at least partially in control yeah. and how how do you like practically how do you organize what do you use do you use an app do you use paper and pen use paper and pen just paper and pen so, you and then you just need... keep it in your head or do you keep that piece of paper so you have figures and you keep that in your head yeah. and even and it's not even about the figures it's just thinking okay i'm five thousand pound short this year i need to make that up somehow or yeah. i'm three thousand pound over budget this year. like i have three thousand pounds spare this year so it's mm. like okay i need to work harder this year i need some more hours or i need to find a way of making that money back yeah, yeah, yeah. or Okay, I can. I can plan a summer trip. With yeah, my or yeah, I can yeah. save yeah. some of that money that yeah, I've got. Yeah, save spare. yeah for elective or for your exactly. first month of being a junior doctor. Yeah, some people use a spreadsheet. Don't so they? I love, I love. See, yeah. this is why yeah. I like budgeting because I yeah. quite enjoy sitting okay. down with a spreadsheet, all them cells, those uh, you know, use a little sort of like all those functions. Yeah, I love, oh, I love functions. Love functions. <laughs> I use functions a lot and conditional formatting. I've oh, not yeah. actually done nice. that yet. For my uh, yeah, I so I keep quite a tight eye, particularly on my food budget, because I know that that's where I'm most likely to go over that's something that you know in the first few years of my degree that's where i spent the most so but one thing my mom always said was don't budget your food spend whatever you need to on food so i never like (laughs) that's never been good advice for me man because i'm so opportunistic when it comes to food that you know like oh cafes and all that kind of stuff it's not you know it's really not good for the for the spreadsheet and i gotta look after that spreadsheet man Something you mentioned there was um, hardship funds, and you've also mentioned the BMA website. Are there any other sources of advice or sources of funding that you could signpost us towards? Yes, and they're all on the BMA website. So, for example, <laughs> there's a number of charities that help out mm-hmm. medical students, and uh, there are a number of organisations that have uh, additional scholarship uh, monies that you can source. And if you're a BMA member, there is a BMA charity that uh, you will be aware of. It's not only open to BMA members, by the way, it's open to other people, but it is uh, a charity that BMA have to help people out. There's a lot of help out there, but it's knowing where to look for it. I mean, so, I mean, seeing as we are talking about costs and money and stuff, how much, do you know how much it is for a student to be a member of the BMA? In the first year, it's free. And in subsequent years, while you're a student, it's around about £3.50 a month. So it's the cost of a Costa coffee, if you see what I mean, or a Starbucks coffee or mm. whatever. Mm. Um, it's it's really, really money well spent because you get your library books and you get access to people like me who uh, help and just listen. All right, so winding up, Anna, what do you think is your main takeaway from our chat today? For me, I think just having the conversation is really important and because I've always felt quite awkward about talking about it and just knowing that 
there are other people out there who have faced similar issues that I've faced and it's not just me and loads of people who are having lavish like lobster dinners and things which of course no, no, that's you know me. it's <laughs> not she's, point, she's pointing but, at um, me that I don't, I've, to this day I've never tried it's lobster it's his friends it's his friends I have that, never yeah. tried lobster yeah I think just like having it on the table as being something that we need to be wary about like other people and like just be sensitive about it I guess that's do you feel like you've made a kind of personal achievement in being open about your money and stuff today yeah, I don't feel as nervous as I did at the beginning of the Good. podcast. <laughs> I'm happy. Same, not going to lie. I I really feel like I've physically relaxed throughout our conversation, uh, you know, just knowing that there are these difficulties and there are these sort of sources of support and help and so on, mm. uh, which I think is a, is a big part for me. I didn't know there was all this information on the BMA website, uh, you know, as well as all the information I've heard from my fellow students. So that's been a really helpful thing that you've brought for us today, Catherine. I'm pleased. And if I could leave you with something... Make sure that you claim any expenses that you are due regularly. Um, if my manager's listening, I'm sorry, I know I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I will. Yeah. Um, but also check your payslips. So when you start work, check your payslips. Absolutely. Uh, when you get them. Lots of uh, doctors don't. I mean, that sounds like... The beginning of another episode where we could delve in how to Absolutely. understand a placelet because there's some stuff that I really don't know about that. So, uh, but yeah, but thanks for leaving that. That's something we might be able to explore further down the line. Well, I hope so. that's all from us on sharp scratch today uh, if you'd like to hear more from us then subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll get another episode straight to your phone and while you wait for the next episode do check us out on social media we're bmj student on twitter facebook and instagram you can let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag sharp scratch you can also give us your ideas for other things that we can cover like pay slips anything you think about further down the line and it's also so helpful to us if you can leave a rating uh, and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, because it really does help other med students find the show. And it helps me as well. I like reading them. I enjoy it. <laughs> and I've not read any new ones recently, so please leave us a review. <laughs> it really does bring so much joy to our day. Next time, we'll be talking about dark humour. Until then, goodbye from me. Bye. Goodbye. And bye from me too.